Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts. Our topic today is big league resurfacing. I'm here with our guest today, Robert Bolo, who's our sales director of Robert Bolo Inc. We also have Francois Martindale, director of ice quality and standards for the Los Angeles Kings out of Staples Arena. And finally, we have infamous Art Johnson from London, Ontario, who's a facility equipment operator, formerly the chief engineer of operations of Budweiser Gardens. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hey, how, how's everyone? Doing great. Doing great ears. It's sunny and nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Not storming there, Robert. No? No storms out in Montreal? No. Not, no. not for the moment. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I want to jump into uh, to the topic of uh, big league uh, resurfacing and start it off with uh, perhaps uh, I can go through the uh, the group here and ask you each uh, share some of your world class events and uh, in which that you've participated in. Uh, Robert, why don't you talk about what you've participated in? Well, my first big my first big experience was at uh, Torino in 2006 at the Oval uh, uh, in. Uh, Italy, and I was uh, driving the machine for uh, Mark Messer. He uh, was the ice master there, so it was my first experience for um, for doing the rink and uh, and a big oval. I uh, used to teach and drive the machine more for hockey ring and Olympic ring. So for me, it was a quite of experience. And uh, after the two weeks, I think I was a little bit. And much better with Mark and uh, the good help he gave me, and uh, it was a quite of an experience for me. And uh, the second big experience was that he, as a mechanic technician for the uh, Pyongyang, we had uh, 16 machine there. We had uh, 552 and 650, and I was in charge to take care of the machine for the Iceman for different uh, hockey ring, and uh, and at the oval too. And that was a, another quite of experience. Not much stress like uh, driving at the Oval, but uh, everything go well. We had no problem with the machine. And uh, I worked with uh, Kelly and Andrew, and it was a great experience for me. And uh, uh, everybody was happy about the quality of the ice and uh, the way the machine performed. That's my two big experience for the Olympic. And, Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah, you're referring to uh, Kelly McMillan and uh, Andrew Curd, our engineers uh, from uh, Zamboni, that were yeah. participating and supporting out in uh, Pyeongchang in uh, South Korea. That's great. How about yourself, Art? Oh, where do I start? Um, let's see. I've um, I've done a couple of Canadian figure skating championships uh, at John Labatt Center, now Budweiser Gardens. Um, Vancouver 2010 Winter Olympics and Paralympics. I was a ice resurfacer operator for that. Um, great experience. I mean, winning the gold medal on home home ice was just unreal. And uh, let's see, Pyeongchang in 2018. I was at uh, the hockey venue at Don Moffat. And uh, I've done a bunch of things at the gardens, the World Figure Skating Championships, Memorial Cup in 2014. So. Yeah, I've done I've done a fair bit. Oh, and the, the Centennial Classic down in Toronto. Oh, right, that was uh, Leafs against uh, the Wings, was it not? Yep, yep. BMO Field. Yes, I do recall yep. that. Yep. Right. Fantastic. Yep. Francois, yourself, what have uh, what, uh, what 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 have you been involved in? Oh, I'm like all right. I don't know where to start. Uh, oh. Actually, uh, we've done so many. Um, I was actually with Art at the Centennial in uh, Toronto. Uh, we did that one together. Uh, my first big event that I, you know, that really uh, marked my career was 2003 when we did the first ever outdoor game uh, with the NHL. Uh, it was an Oilery event. Um, it was the Oilers against Montreal. Uh, quite an experience. Um, it was the first ever one. Uh, so everything was to be uh, invented and started and, you know, like uh, created. And right. uh, like I said before, um, I have like probably like 20 under my belt now. And, you know, it's it's crazy how we went from 2003 to my last one uh, a few years ago where, you know, we see the, the, the all the experience that we've gained over the years and where we are now. Uh, um, again, looking back on where we were in 2003. 
right. yeah, most of those events were, uh, th those outdoor games were, were fantastic. I mean, you know, the friendship, the workshop with everybody, um, everybody pitching in their own uh, experience to make these come alive from, you know, starts from scratch and having a few good games and having a, an NHL event like that is, is pretty uh, tremendous. Um, was I that did a, a, sorry, uh, was that, uh, Francois, the first uh, outdoor game in Montreal? Uh, no, that outdoor game was at the Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. Right, okay. Yeah, that 2003 one. Yeah, we never had one in Montreal. We've, uh, while I was working for the Canadians, we've tried a few times to have it, but I don't know, conditions, um, not in not having any venues to have it to, ha to have it happen over there, you know, so that's why it never happened in Montreal. Right, uh, right. I've also I've also over the year done a few craft hockeyvilles, uh, did a Memorial Cup also for uh, uh, for in Quebec City, uh, the last one at the old Coliseum in Quebec City. Um, so yeah, um, I'm gonna stop now because I have so many. I don't know <laughs> where to stop. Well, I'm sure you get an opportunity to speak about uh, many more that you've uh, participated in and worked at. So speaking of which, uh, tell me, you guys, how did you guys find out that uh, you were selected to be part of uh, these events, these big league events? And uh, maybe you can share uh, one story that stands out at one of the events. Uh, Art, why don't you uh, start with the topic? Um, well, for me, um, I'll start with Pyeongchang. I was uh, in Toronto working the Centennial Classic. I was... I just got back into Toronto actually and Dom Moffat sent me a message asking me if I would be part of his crew. And uh, I'm standing in downtown Toronto looking at my phone and I'm like, is this really happening? Like I, wow. I called my best friend, I called my best friend, best friend and I told her and she's like, you got to do it. So I, uh, I didn't even hesitate. I, I said, yes. So, so Santa yeah, Claus comes, comes uh, another dates of the year then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> And uh, for Vancouver, it was uh, like, it was just a lot of email communication. And, you know, I got an email from the uh, people running it out there. And I'm just like, I just couldn't believe it. I was just over the moon about it. Like it just, it, I, I still have trouble putting that experience into words because it just, it was so special to me. So. That's uh, that's yeah. great. That's great. What's yeah. uh, what's one of the stories that stands out from all your experiences of these big league uh, uh, events that you participated in? Art, you have something that really stands out outside of getting the oh. uh, email from uh, from uh, yeah. Don? Yeah. Oh, I, I got a good one. Um, I was resurfacing for one of the games in Vancouver, and the photographers were out, you know, on the ice cleaning their their spots and everything. One of them dropped their microfiber cloth on the ice, but I didn't see it. So I picked it up in the machine and the machine started shaking, but I, I managed to finish the, the, the flood, no problem. But uh, that was probably one of the, the, the strangest things that happened to me. I've still got that cloth downstairs, so packed away, <laughs> a little souvenir. Yeah, so. it's probably not the souvenir of a memory you want to have. No, it could have no. went, went downhill really quick for yeah, you, but, uh, exactly. but uh, the, your experience and uh, ability to get through it, that's great. That's great. Yeah. How about yourself, Robert? What, uh, what stands out uh, as far as uh, being selected and also one of a uh, story that's the select, that uh, stands out for you as well? Well, uh, for 2006, uh, Torino, I received an email from uh, Frank Zamboni and uh, Doug, uh, Doug Peters from uh, California. And they two months uh, before Christmas, they say they need a, a, a driver who knows the, the 552. So for myself, I know the machine, I know how to repair, I know uh, a lot of the machine, so I never did a, a oval, <laughs> driving on the opposite side, <laughs> than regular turning on the, the side for a hockey ring, it's, it's completely different, and watching uh, the little red or blue uh, puck they put on the ring, so this is a different way to drive the machine. So uh, I, put, I put my name and I say, well, I could, I could, I think I could do it, and uh, so I will arrive a week before. And uh, again, Mark Messi was, uh, Messer was uh, incredible, good. He was very good with me to help me out. So I, a lot of stress at the beginning because on the hockey ring, no problem, <laughs> but when you drive on the uh, on the opposite side and you don't see much, the way you get out, 
and you have a certain time like uh, uh, you cannot miss your run because you cannot go back like a hockey ring hockey ring sometime you could uh, you could uh, save your 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 thing and uh, at the end uh, it, it well it was all right I remember the first race uh, it was very hard on my stress because uh, remember uh, I was driving sometimes too fast or too slow because you're too machine and you have a guy in the back three feet behind you or you have to follow the guy so if you follow the guy you, you are right you know the right speed because all the the, the driver was Sorry. the people from Lillehammer from Innsbruck was a real professional and they they really know what they do like Mark but uh, for me it was a quite of experience I, and it go well because everybody was very nice with me and uh, the thing what i remember one time i i i my time was supposed to be 10 minutes 9 minutes uh, 55 second on the ring and i was like 10 minutes plus 5 second or 10 second and i could read on my on my radio walkie talkie hey guys from montreal if you could let's stay on the time just leave <laughs> because we broadcast for 80 million people. So please. So you had no stress whatsoever. None whatsoever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I prefer hockey. I prefer yes. hockey. Yes. And that's oh, yeah. why I, when they ask me for Pyongyang, do you want to go to Pyongyang? I say, not as a driver. I will go for the mechanic. Give me any, any, any trouble, any maintenance, any modification of the machine, I will be happy. Well, you know, I mean, you might not want to say that too quickly. I mean, uh, Beijing's coming up in 2022. Might need you. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> hey, Francois, Francois, how about yourself? Um, actually, uh, my first ever again, I say that, that 2003 game really, uh, like I said, marked my career. Um, we... Um, it was a natural to call for me to to participate uh, because it was actually Montreal and Edmonton in Edmonton. But one of the other reasons also is uh, the Montreal Forum uh, was a sand-based building. And uh, we were using a sand-based uh, system uh, in Edmonton. So for Dan Craig uh, to have myself uh, uh, working on that uh, event as a sand-based experience person, was helping him a lot, you know. So I knew how, how to saturate the sand, how to work it, and how to build ice over it, and how to work with a sand-based floor. Um, and after that, for pretty much of all my other uh, outdoor games, I sort of, after that first one, I became one of the regular ice crew members. Um, so it was pretty much like uh, regular emails, and 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 and. Uh, uh, that was pretty much it the way they were asking me to go to do these but the first ever one was because i had some experience with sand based floors um right. yeah and right. one of the one of the main things that always amazed me um I, it happened to the it, it is funny because it happened in the first outdoor game and it happened multiple times during the other outdoor games that we've had it's just you know we're doing these in climates where it's so cold and it's always snowing so our first ever outdoor game, uh, we had a lot of snowstorms. We had a lot of snow coming down. And one of the, the, the major factors and, and things that happened to us over there in Edmonton was like uh, over a course of a few days with snow falling, we had to remove like, I don't know how many uh, 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 a Zamboni full of machines of snow off the ice. Because at the time, we didn't have snow blowers, We didn't think about snow blowers, We didn't have shovels. So we just mainly used our 440s that we had at the time just to blow the, the, the snow out of there, you know. And I still have pictures of myself covered, like covered in snow, looking like a snowman, driving those machines and just taking the snow out and taking the snow out. I think one day I'd like I pulled like probably like 30 or 35 machines full of, of snow, you know, and, and Mike Craig that was there with me also, uh, you know, we were both drivers over there for that event. And I think like between both of us, we, it was like between 50 and 60 machines a day. It's almost, you know, so and, and, and after all the other events, well, we were more 
uh, equipped with uh, uh, snow blowers and and little bobcats and stuff to, to to move it out there. But I mean, you know, the snowfall, the conditions, the outdoor conditions are always something that comes into play when you do outdoor games. Well, that's certainly an experience of uh, having to be a snowman as you're uh, driving a zamboni for an outdoor event. Oh, that's absolutely, a, that sounds like a crazy event, crazy, crazy yeah, weather, yeah. definitely. So let me ask yeah. you, uh, gentlemen. Um, it's uh, it's happened in 2000 uh, in Salt Lake City's Olympics, uh, the Lucky Looney. Um, it was carried forward in, uh, I believe it was carried forward in uh, Pyeongchang. Uh, Robert Art, I'm not sure, Francois, were you in Pyeongchang? No, I was not. I've okay. never done international events. I've, I was pretty much doing outdoor games. Right, right. So yep. were either of you involved, gentlemen, Art or Robert, in that lucky loony getting back in the ice? There uh, wasn't anything in, in Pyeongchang. There wasn't? Nope. I heard a story that uh, it's the lucky loony did arrive there. I didn't hear about it, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I thought maybe you guys might have uh, had some involvement yeah. there. What about uh, what about uh, pre pregame, uh, you guys? Uh, anyone have a ritual? Anyone wear something unique, uh, superstitious? Uh, share with the audience. Uh, anything, uh, Robert? I, I could tell no, but I could tell you in Torino, Mark uh, Messer put on the on the ring um, a beer cap from Canadian bottle <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> made in ca from Canada. <laughs> Jeffrey Jeffrey Molson would be happy hey, to see that. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was the only thing he put on the on the, on the uh, oval. Yeah. How about yourself, Art? Any ritual? Any? Uh... For me, I think I I just kind of try and find a quiet spot, just sit down and relax for a few minutes, and just clear my head. It's because uh, you know once you get on the ice and you've got say seventeen thousand people watching you, it, uh, it it can be it could be overwhelming. So you just you know I just. That is really that is really interesting because all three of you have had experience in massive crowds and stadium crowds uh, yeah. performing your your duties and and still to this day um, it sounds like you uh, you folks still get nervous uh, when you're on the zamboni in front of a huge crowd. How about you, uh, Francois? Any ritual? Yeah. Uh, any any uh, any no, superstitions? No, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much like art. You know, I try to find this quiet place. You know. And, and inside of myself and just introspect and try to, you know, take it all in. Those events are, are you know, we're lucky. We're very lucky to participate in those. And, uh, uh, you know, the experience, like I said, again, with all the guys we work with, it's, it's a friendship. It's the whole thing, you know. So, yeah, I try to find this happy place, quiet place inside of myself and try to go out there. I mean, you know, we did uh, uh, the one in uh, Detroit. And where it was 110,000 people, then I drove that one. Uh, and uh, let me tell you, uh, yeah, if I wouldn't have found that happy place inside of my inside myself, I think I would have like cracked up because like 110,000 people, I wasn't looking up actually. Um, I never looked up at the crowd. I was always was driving. Like, yeah, yeah, Michigan State, absolutely. And I was just looking ahead, you know, looking at my work, looking at my results, looking. I was trying to you know, try to, to, to focus on my work, you know? So yeah, that's pretty much what I do too. That's great. So uh, gentlemen, you've been uh, to a lot, a lot of places, uh, some for overseas events. What's the favorite food that you can share that you've enjoyed the most in the, at these events, whether it be uh, uh, Pyeongchang or uh, any of the other uh, events that you've attended? Robert? Well, Italy for me. <laughs> <laughs> they, I said they, food, not wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the food was great in Italy. Pyongyang was good, but I think uh, uh, we had a lot of rice <laughs> in Pyongyang, and it was almost the same thing every day. I remember the guy at the uh, hockey rink, <laughs> uh, lots of McDonald's. Uh, bag we saw in the garbage <laughs> every day when i visit my visit my machine i could see the guy with the with the mcdonald stuff on the table <laughs> so so kimichi is not one of your one not one of your main staples now you, the uh, kimichi that you get in uh, korea well pyongyang was good but uh, in italy it was uh, very very good the, the restaurant yeah. the, the food was excellent nice how about you art 
Any, uh, um, any great uh, well, plate that it, you enjoyed the most? In Pyeongchang, it was uh, Korean barbecue that I really liked. Um, it was fantastic. I've never had anything like that before, and I just I loved it the first time I tried it. So, um, yeah, there was there was a lot of rice and kimchi over there. Yeah. Um, I, I can confirm there was a lot of McDonald's eaten that at the rink. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just it was, and, and like Robert said, I mean, they served a lot of the same food day after day after day. So it's you needed to eat and change it up. So, and McDonald's just happened to be a short walk from the rink. So. And and either one of you, did you guys, because uh, I uh, was fortunate enough, blessed enough to go work with our distributor, uh, Ice and Sports over in uh, Seoul, Korea last year. And of course, that's what uh, my daily intake was, was uh, Korean barbecue and uh, kimchi. And uh, I even tested some things that actually used to crawl. Uh, I don't know if you guys were, had an opportunity to eat any of the uh, insects that uh, are part of the Korean barbecue. No? Yes? No. No, no. no. For, my, for myself, the only thing one time uh, uh, we've been to a, a family restaurant and the guy beside me uh, eating a, a live octopus. They don't cook just and they take the piece and the piece of octopus was moving on his mouth. So this is not the thing I like <laughs> very much. I prefer when it's cooked. <laughs> You and Al Sabaka, we need to have on our next podcast talking about octopus. <laughs> Definitely. Francois, your favorite food in L.A. compared to your favorite food from your homeland, Montreal. What do you hey, prefer? God, listen, it happened, it happened over this course of this weekend. Um, I had the best poutine, pork belly poutine ever <laughs> in my life. In uh, 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 in Bria, there's a restaurant in Bria who does poutine, and I ate it over this weekend. I could not believe that I was going to eat poutine in California. The I'm best one I've that, ever had. I have to say this. I wanted you to say it was in California because we would expect that from the uh, uh, Montreal uh, facilities. But uh, your friends back home, uh, Francois, might be phoning you really quick right now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. It's, it's a restaurant called Sauced Up. Uh, and I'm telling you, you guys, look, if you guys are ever uh, in California, look it up, guys. I mean, try to go there. It's the poutine that they have there is incredible. It's really great. Wow, that's that's fantastic. So going back to the events that you've uh, participated in, gentlemen, do you um, have you noticed or did you notice a difference in the crowd? and the enthusiasm from the crowd compared to what you would normally uh, participate in and uh, work at uh, in a regular junior A game or, or an NHL game for Francois? Did you notice anything different in the crowd from these, uh, these large events, these Olympic events that you participated in? Well, I've never done any Olympic events, but um, what I can tell you is like, you know, working in an NHL building for 25 years in Montreal and now doing the staples and everything, not the same kind of crowd when you have an outdoor game, for example, like when we did Michigan State again, you know, like people are outside. It's a major event. It's a happening, you know. It's not the same people coming over and over again in Montreal or at Staples or, you know, the, the people that buy the regular ticket holders and everything, you know. So, you, yeah, you the outdoor games are a little more like a once-in-a-lifetime thing for the people that are there. So there's a lot cheerful. It's it's different. It's really hyped up. Uh, you can feel the electricity in the crowd. Yeah, I think that's mostly the difference for me. Uh, um, if I look at those two, uh, if I compare those two, if you want, uh, I think the electricity is so much higher when you do an outdoor game because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing for the people that are attending those, you know. Well, I think, uh, Francois, Michigan State's event, the 110,000, that is, if I'm not mistaken, the largest um, uh, outdoor hockey event that's held that many people. Would that be fair to say? Or yes. Do you know? Yes, it is. It is. Absolutely. I think the one that was held in that same building was 103. We held, held 100, uh, 110,000 or something. So, yeah, we it was the largest crowd. Wow. Wow. How about yourself, Art? Um. I find I found Vancouver. The crowd was very, very into it, you know, because and it was it was because it's Canadian, you know. Um, I just found that there, it was a different atmosphere compared to Korea. 
um, just because hockey isn't a big thing in Korea. Um, and I'm sure Robert can, can say the same thing, but um, yeah. And then, I mean, even doing the, the junior A games at Bug Gardens, I mean, there was, there's an electricity in the air that, you know, you don't get working in a community rink. And uh, I, I kind of miss that sometimes. Nice. Robert. Well, experiences with crowds. You've been to uh, uh, multiple Olympic events as well, and also uh, some other uh, uh, national events. Yeah, like Art uh, say, uh, the the at Pyeongchang hockey was not the big thing. First thing in the NHL was not there, uh, and and another thing, what I like. And what I appreciate now, it's more on the oval and the short track. For me, it was a quite of experience to see the short track because for the last 20, over 25 years, I was uh, behind Francois at the Forum at Centre Belle for the hockey game as a right. technician. So when something don't don't work, he just turn his head and look at me <laughs> with a, a dirty look and uh, I'd be ready to help him. So. Uh, and it was the same thing at Pyeongchang, and so I didn't drive. But the oval, when I was at Torino in 2006, was quite of experience because a lots of people it, they broadcast a lots of people because it's a very popular sport, and the crowd, the way the crowd participate at the event, it's crazy. The color, the the bell, and the whistle. Uh, compare what we saw art at the uh, hockey game yeah. uh, uh, it was very different so for me oval at Pyeongchang and oval at Torino was very impress impressive but for me I was very impressed with the crowd the way they 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 cry for their team and they when it's the last run the last turn it's crazy on the building more than the hockey we had at Pyeongchang because we didn't have the the, the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And it's amazing how that uh, can influence the uh, the crowd as far as who's participating, as far as the uh, the actual players on the ice. That's that's really interesting. So guys, let me ask you, um, from a training standpoint, was there any other training that you had to uh, uh, be involved in uh, to get uh, prepared uh, for your events? Um, or were you actually the trainers at these events? Uh, uh, Art, I'll ask you that question. Um. I don't think I really had to go through any specific training for Korea. Um, for me, the biggest thing was getting used to the Olympic size rink again. Um, and then I did a little bit of work with the uh, Korean drivers as well. Um, but I, again, it's uh, it was difficult because there's the, the language barrier. And even with the translators there, sometimes things would get lost in translation. So, the message wasn't coming across the way it should have. Right, right. So. And that can definitely be a challenge under the uh, spotlight, no yeah. question. Yeah. How many, how many, in Pyeongchang, how many uh, Korean uh, drivers were at uh, the event in Pyeongchang that were working with you folks? Um, I think they were mostly at the practice rink. We had a couple at our, at the, at the main hockey rink. And then I think there were some at the women's rink as well. I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head. Right, right. So was resurfacing uh, Francois for the different events, did you have to do anything differently than what you would have done normally at the Forum in Montreal? Or yeah, actually, you know, depending uh, uh, on the outdoor conditions, you know, sometimes we have to adjust our resurfacing. We'll sometimes just do like wash water cuts or we're going to do like we have double machines for sure. We use two machines and sometimes we're going to do like a normal resurface and bring the third machine on just to put water down or, you know, depending if the ice is really brittle and depending on the outdoor conditions. Yeah, we have to adapt. I think uh, the main thing for those outdoor events is you need to be able to adapt to anything. If it's raining, if it's snowing, if it's brittle, if it's too cold or if it's too warm, you know, you have to adjust your cutting or your water, your water that you're putting down, you know, or sometimes we'd bring the, 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 the machines twice on the ice. So sometimes the NHL would give us that time and would make sure that we have the full 18 minutes to resurface, you know. So I think that the big thing, um, um, as far as I'm concerned, what I learned over the years was 
the, the ability to be able to adapt to any kind of conditions that we had out there, you know. And as far as as showing other drivers, you know, those events, um, people were chosen because uh, uh, we were experienced, you know, because we didn't have to show each other anything. But again, when we are a group of people, uh, again, when we worked, Art and myself, we did the Centennial Classic. I mean, you know, you're working with a different bunch of different guys with different experiences. So you're all, you are always learning off each other's back. You know, you're learning. I was learning from art, art from me. We were learning from the other guys around us. You know, we piggyback off, off ourselves, you know. So I think that's another thing. Um, working those events was fantastic because we could learn from each other. So, and what what I read into that, uh, Francois, it sounds like you guys were sharing your secrets of experience. Uh, based on uh, your experiences of previous events you've worked in. Robert, um, yeah. uh, over in Italy, you uh, probably, uh, because you were doing the oval for short track, long track, um, and you've done uh, a traditional ice hockey rink. Why don't you share a little bit about how that looks compared to oval to um, uh, traditional ice hockey? Well, it's completely different. The way you drive, you use a lot of the wash water, like at the oval, and again, the the ring it's the most important thing for the athlete who practice for five four years and they have one race and the ring have to be perfect they have one chance and uh, so every night measuring the ice every night we were they were measuring the ice uh, shaving the ice every night and another thing we 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 saw is the those athlete got a coach and the coach watching you when you do the ice they watch you how you you drive the machine and how you shave and how you put the water so it's like having two two eyes behind your head watching you all the time i saw some people walking beside me and watching and tell me oh uh, too much water too too much cut and uh, mark say mark messer say no don't worry about that guy. He's crazy. <laughs> no, uh, hey, don't worry. Don't 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 take care of that guy. So uh, just do your job. And I was lucky because the guy who I was working was a real professional. He was coming from uh, Frankfurt, and he did a lots of international event. So for me, it was a quite of experience uh, driving the machine. And again, you have nine or four minutes or nine minutes, depends how, how long you do your track, and working with two machines. In Pyongyang, one time, they did the ring with three machines at the same time. So this is, a, this is a, another way to do the ring, three machines at the same time, following each other. So you have to shave and put the same water, do the same wash water. The three machines have to do, because you're on three tracks. So Three competitor race on three sheet of ice has to be the same. Same temperature. If you put too much water, it's gonna change temperature and it's gonna change everything. So uh, when, so uh, with Mark, he was in the middle of the ring and he was watching and talking on the people on the we had the headphones and uh, go faster, put more water, put so just because the condition was different on the building because every winter olympic it's raining outside wow. <laughs> italy wow. was raining a lot in pyongyang not not much eh, art we didn't have too much rain no we no we didn't have a lot of rain we just had that one really big windstorm that one day but that was about it i remember it in pyongyang when 18,000 people come in the building wet temperatures was changing humidity was changing in the building and you have to remember all those buildings are new so they don't have much experience on the, on the building right yeah. right so, so let me let me ask you gentlemen um for our audience that's uh that's uh, listening on the to this episode this podcast perhaps uh, each one of you can share a tip uh for our for our uh, zamboni drivers out there that'll be listening uh, to the podcast that you could, uh, yeah, share a tip, share something that you've experienced, share something that uh, they can take back to their own local rink uh, to make their job uh, uh, more proficient, uh, their skill levels increase. Uh, why don't you share with the group? Robert? Well, I think you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared with the 
with the machine. You have to uh, to talk to your team. It's a it's a it's a team group. Like my, like Francois say, you everybody knows their job, but you have to work together. And this is the most important. Sometimes you're gonna have an operator. He wants to do his way. <laughs> right. So right. that's could you could have some problem sure. with that. And sure. that's what happened in in Torino before they had a, a, a international event before the, the the Olympic. And one of the guy, the operator, he wants to be like the master. He wants to be the chief. Of, he wants to do his way. So uh, they say no. So they they kick him out. And that's how they ask me. They asked. They need another person at the at the at the at the end. So uh, uh, two two months before, uh, they have to find somebody who was uh, available for a month and knows the machine. So I think you have to work with your team and uh, and talk before the event, talk during the event, and every after every game or competition, talk to uh, the person how it work well what it doesn't work and what what we should change if uh, we don't operate the machine uh, well so right, right. and and pyongyang i saw that uh, with don moffett and uh, the way they do the meeting with the group and it was perfect and like art say it was all american driver or canadian all the chinese japanese our uh, Japan guy, it was a, they were at the training uh, rink. They don't do the ring for the uh, the ev the big event, right? So event, right. yeah. So what about uh, yourself, uh, Art? Any tip as far as uh, bringing up the quality of the ice that a uh, uh, an operator could actually take back to their facility that you might want to share? Well, I, I'm just gonna comment one. Just make a quick comment here. Teamwork is so important in these events. Like if you don't work together as a team, it's not going to be a fun, fun time. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're spending three weeks, three or four weeks with these people, you know, they become your second family almost because you spend so much time with them. So teamwork is key. Um, preparation, you know, everything from, you know, having a pregame meeting, you know, postgame meeting, what could have been done better, you know, things like that. Um, as far as ice quality goes, you know, pay attention to the details. I mean, that, that's the one thing that I've, I've picked up working these, these events is like the little details, they'll come back and bite you in, in the butt in the end. So yeah, yeah that's, that's great. That's, that's great. Yeah. Great feedback. Great feedback. How about yourself, uh, Francois? Anything, any tip uh, outside of what uh, Robert and Art have uh, discussed that you might want to share with the yeah, group? Yeah, I, I, actually, those guys are right. I mean, you know, if if the people in these community rings learn to work together and try to become one, so I mean, like they need to be driving the same. They need to be doing the same things over and over again. You know, consistency is one of the factors that is going to make your ice sheet better. A little tip, what I see in a lot of the community rinks that I've been working in, and even in LA when I got to this practice facility here where my office is now, I mean, guys tend to less cut and to overwater the rinks. I mean, if the guys would just like take those temperature guns out there and just monitor their ice temperatures, the surface ice temperatures, that could be a tip that could help a lot of guys pretty quick look at your ice temperature your surface ice temperature and try to put the water into cut appropriately with that ice surface temperature i mean you know if your your surface temps at 25 or if it's at 19 you will not be putting the same amount of water down and you will not have the same amount of ruts out there so a really quick one could be that a surface temperatures and just make sure that you can you know cut or put water down appropriately with, with what you're reading out there. Just doing that, that's independent of what you're, you're, are you controlling your compressors or not or whatever you're doing out there. I think if you're not controlling those compressors, I mean, at least control what you're doing out there on the sheet. I mean, 
you know, if the, if the ice is always at 19 in your building for some reason, well, you should be putting a little bit more water down and maybe cutting a little less or, 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 or vice versa. If your ice is too hot, are you going to be putting that lot of water down? No, because it's going to be wet all the time. So if the guys can sort of compensate for what their temperatures are and what their conditions are inside the building, it could help them a lot to get a better quality. Yeah, so know, knowing your ice is uh, critical in uh, providing the best quality sheet of uh, of ice surface for the, your user groups. No question. No question. Uh huh. So, uh, what's uh, what's your favorite Zamboni model, gentlemen, that you've driven at your events that you participated in, Robert? Uh, uh, for Francois, the HDB? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, With the old wow. Volkswagen engine. No. Okay, I'm not that no, old. No, 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 no. Can I, oh. Let me just chime in because the audience might not not understand the inside joke. Where Robert was going, audience, is that uh, he was going back to some of our uh, 1970 um, uh, machines, 60 machines. So 65. And, uh, 65, yeah. So uh, 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 I know Francois is not that old. So nice try, Robert. But continue. <laughs> Thank you, Marty. No. Uh, well. The 650 the, and the 552. I, I on the at the oval we had the 552. At Pyongyang we had the two model. Some uh, American driver preferred the 552. Some Canadian preferred the 650. So I think it's it's the 650. It's a little bit bigger machine. It's a new machine for the last three years. It's a great machine. Uh, Francois was driving at uh, Centre Belle the 552, and I think it's really personal uh, if you're talking electric machine, because that's what we have on the big event. It's the electric machine. Uh, we don't have this, the the small machine on those big events. So for me, if I, driving the 552 or the 650, and I I really never drove the 700, <laughs> but uh, I know it's a it's a big large machine with the big conditioner. In fact, at uh, Torino we had the conditioner with the uh, 96 uh, inch blade. So this is a this is a different way to drive the machine and uh, completely different. When you get out, it's a little bit bigger than the regular conditioner we have. So. So at the at Pyongyang we had three machines. One machine had that big conditioner. So it right. it, it did a great job. But for me, the five five two or the six fifty uh, is the same. There you go. How about yourself, Art? And uh, don't forget that uh, there's a new new machine uh, coming your way that I know you've had an opportunity to drive. So by well, I mean you can speak about that one if that's your favorite. But anyways, <laughs> I'm not trying to influence you, Art. One bit. What was your uh, favorite machine? I've, I really like the 552 when I was in Pyeongchang. Um, I've driven the electrics before, and I don't know, just the, I'm, I was used to the 520, you know, so the 552 is a, a very comparable to me. So I really like that one. Um, the 650 was, it was nice, but it was, it was different. It took a bit of getting used to. So. And of course, I, I I do like the uh, the 450 model as well. So I uh, we currently yeah I know shameless plug. <laughs> I um I I we we use the 440s 445s at the city rinks. So transitioning from the 440 445 over to the 450, it, it's it's seamless. So, nice, nice. Yeah. Francois, what about yourself? Uh, any uh, particular machine that you've uh, that you've enjoyed driving the most at your events? Oh, I've you know I've driven so many different brands and so many different kind of machines at those events. I, I have to refer, like Robert was saying, I have to refer to my years in Montreal, what I drove forever over there, and for the last fifteen or twenty years, we were the first uh, out in Montreal to have the electric five five twos. Um, and and I think we still were the last in the last few years the the, the first uh, uh, NHL uh, uh, teams to have the five five twos. I just love those electric machines. I mean, they're so convenient to drive. They're comfortable. They do the work. I mean, you know, I, I just love those electric machines. I, I you know I don't drive anymore because here I'm a director and I have drivers down here now, um, and I don't drive at the practice facility either. But I mean, no driving. I you know, 
I would recommend the 5.5 electric, the 5.52's electric. I love those machines. I got to ask, uh, we do have another uh, host uh, slash guest uh, listening in on this. Uh, Mr. Peters, Doug Peters, a regional manager from our California facility. Doug, did you want to ask that question or put that point out there? No, I just thought it was a great response from Art. You know, shameless plug for the U.S. plant and the 552. <laughs> I, I, and you know me, Marty, I never beat a dead horse, so I'm never going to bring that up again. <laughs> I, I, I have to tell, we sold uh, from California over 240 electric 552 in my territory. And for the last few years, we sold uh, over 40, <laughs> 650. So I don't talk much with Doug, but uh, one day we will go back <laughs> uh, with the plant in, in Paramount. But uh, the two machines are, are a really good product. And now we got the 450 and it will, it will challenge the choice of the customer. They have three models of machine now. Well, that's exactly. Well, they, they really, they have more than three because Doug's also producing out of the Paramount California plant, the 552 lithium ion machine. Oh yeah. So uh, there's options. There's options, and uh, we will be coming out with a uh, a 5xx uh, lithium ion out of our Brantford facility here in Canada. So uh, what about options, gentlemen? Uh, the, you know, our fast ice, our level ice, our advanced watering system, our agar agar washout system. Any of those uh, options been available during these events that you've worked with, Francois? No, not really. We have not used uh, any of those during our outdoor events. Um, it was pretty much our regular machines, you know, again, those outdoor conditions are so weird. I mean, everything you can control and have like regular equipment and everything, I think it's the best. I mean, no, we did not use any of those in our outdoor events. Right, how about, Robert, how about yourself? Any experience well, in these events? Well, now all the machine we, we have got the, uh, the um, uh, snowbreaker, automatic snowbreaker. This is right. uh, and the watering advent system. Everybody wants that, and now much more and more we sell uh, the uh, laser. So, uh, uh, well, so this the, will uh, twenty yeah twenty twenty two will be the first uh, Olympic event to have uh, the level ice laser system that we offer on our uh, machines at that event. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, um, uh, the quality and the difference. Well, we and speaking of uh, art, uh, you've had an opportunity to work with both, being chief engineer at uh, Budweiser Gardens. Um, but have you used those options uh, at any of the events that you've uh, participated in? Um, not at the events that I've been part of. Um, I know my the rank that I'm based out of uh, with the city. We have the level ice system, and uh, the operators. We all we all bought into the system, you know, and that, that was the big thing was the operators had to come together on that and understand it because, uh, you know, it just takes one operator to, to change something. And then next thing you know, everything's all out of whack. So yeah, it's, it's been a good experience. I, I really enjoy having the, the uh, level ice. I know uh, in our province we have around almost 10, 10 laser, and it will now hold the city when they have the budget. They're gonna include that option. Right. Hey, Francois, you actually uh, you have the fast ice system, do you not, at your practice facility, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, we do have it at the practice facility, and we also have it at Staples. Our two brand new machines at Staples, we use it. Uh, um, I love it. I mean, I love it. You can control the amount of water. It flash freezes. It's like you're making ice between periods with a boom, a boom right. sprayer, you know? So if your water's at, at a, a good temperature, if your ice is at a good temperature and you're just like spraying that water on top of that sheet, it dries fast. Let me tell you, at Staples, we've achieved uh, what has never been achieved in the Staples in the many uh, uh, last years. We've had great ice. Uh, um, we've cut down the water a little bit, but I mean, I really love uh, the fast ice system over there. Uh, we also use it at state at the uh, practice facility also. We use it mostly to build ice uh, on our two main rinks here. We have an NHL rink and an Olympic size rink. So we use it a lot to build the ice. I mean, 
it's fantastic. You don't need four or five guys holding the hoses and everything. I think it it, it, it emulates the 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 boom sprayer a lot, and uh, I think that's it, it was one of the good features that I saw coming along the in the last years. That's great. That's great feedback. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing, gentlemen. So I'm Bobby. I'm I'm a little Bobby. I'm 10 years old, guys, and um, I look up at uh, and and I'm living in hockey rinks, playing hockey as a young little fellow. And I want to be a Zamboni driver, and I want to participate and be a part of what you gentlemen have been a part of. What would you share with that 10-year-old little Bobby to be able to do something like that? Robert, I'll let you have it. I really didn't understand what you mean by when you were. Well, you were to... a, ch a child's dream of uh, being a Zamboni driver and, and driving for the Olympics or an outdoor event. Uh, what would you share with them to be able to uh, achieve that type of goal that you might have? Every every kids when they go in a building they want to sit on a machine. <laughs> yes. So uh, and I know uh, we uh, sometime at the office people knock on my door front and we're closed and uh, little kids want to go in the backyard to sit on a machine and just just having the feeling how is is it because at the municipality ring they they, they don't leave them the permission to sit on the machine so. Uh, no, I think uh, all the kids want to drive a machine, and uh, and when they they what they want, and they want to see everybody like the spectators see him driving the machine, <laughs> and and uh, it's a dream of all the kids. But uh, sure. I, I and as a, a I was a hockey player when I was young. I never thought one day I'm gonna repair a machine. I'm gonna drive a machine at the Olympics. So you never know where you're gonna go <laughs> from where you start. So true, so true. Things can change. What about you, Art? What would you share with a uh, Bobby or a Karen that uh, that uh, one day wants to drive a, a Zamboni for a big event? Well, on, honestly, Marty, I you know when I started back in the arenas back in 1986, 87, somewhere around there, um, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would be lucky enough to do what I've done today. Um, you know, I, I've worked hard to get to where I am, you know. Um, I've met a lot of great people along the way that, you know, have backed me up a, a lot. And, uh, you know, the, it's working these big events that gets me my name out there. And that's why I was invited to Toronto. You know, that's why I was invited to Korea is because, you know, these people saw what I was like on the ice and as part of a team. So, I mean, it, it you know, it just be outgoing, work hard. And uh, yeah, that's, that's really all I can say. Yeah. That, that's great feedback art. You know, some of the operators that work in uh, municipal rinks think that that's, that's the end and, 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 you know, that's all they're ever going to do, but the opportunities are endless um, yeah. if they're in the right place at the right time. And uh, you yeah. three have definitely been able to experience that. Well, gentlemen, I want to uh, thank you uh, for participating in this episode of uh, Ask the Zamboni Experts. I want to thank you on behalf of myself and the Zamboni Company. I wish you all the best and uh, stay tuned for our next episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts podcast. Thank you, folks. You're welcome. Thank you. You're, You're welcome. welcome.